you've got it. Maybe it's on an app. Maybe it's in your hand. Uh, We're going to read Psalm 4. And uh, I want to preach just a a little bit tonight on this thought. uh, From distressed to blessed. Praise the Lord. And um, I appreciate the vision that was cast before us this morning. And something about just the new year and the changing calendar. It just gives us uh, almost a fresh hope, right? That maybe something new will happen. Uh, we can start over again, maybe uh, go back to some things we tried to do at the beginning of last year and, and uh, make some new goals even for this year. But I, I can't help but think there may be a few in here tonight that, that some of the problems you had on December 31st have carried over. And you're wondering, you know, you, you said, man, the vision is good. Having a list of things we want to accomplish, that's great. But there are some things inside of me I need God to do. Well, I'll tell you what. We read this psalm, Psalm chapter 4. You're going to find David was in a place of distress, but he knew who to call on. And he called on the Lord. Let's read it together. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, Thou hast enlarged to me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing or lying? Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. Amen. And the Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, who will show us any good or where can I find happiness? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart. Has he made you glad tonight? More than in the time that their corn and their wine increased, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to bring the word tonight. I pray that you would just speak, Lord. You're here moving in our midst. And God, you're touching hearts right now. And I pray that you would begin just to make a way. Oh, for those who are stuck, that are in the middle of a stressful problem, a distressing situation. God, let them feel your blessings tonight. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name. And the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Jared, for the opportunity to preach tonight. We don't take it lightly. Praise the Lord. You ever heard the phrase, between a rock and a hard place? I was looking that up and trying to figure out where that originated. There was one author who said it originated way back when, uh, uh, I believe, I forget the guy, just uh, Homer wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey. Um, Then a a couple other references said it it was actually started uh, in Arizona in the early 1900s when some coal miners or some other kind of miners were trying to lobby for better working conditions. And the economy during that time in America wasn't very good. And so the the owners of the mining companies, they they just told their laborers, hey, this is how it's going to be. We can't make it any better. So you can either still work in these conditions or you can go home and go hungry. Well, uh, so they started saying those workers were between between a rock 
in a hard place. They had to decide, should we stay inside the mines or should we go and, and just go hungry? I'll tell you, that's kind of a distressful situation, isn't it? That, that is what distress, it really means. It, it means a tight place. You ever been in a tight place? Uh, uh, in a situation where things are just kind of closing in around you and you're not sure, how can I get out of this situation? How can I find a way out of this mess? Is there anything that can stop these walls from closing in? Well, Psalm 4 is kind of a distress signal that David is sending out to the Lord. If you read it, it seems like David's already been in a distress in his life, and he's telling God, God, I remember before when I was there, you brought me out into a large place. Or in other words, God, there I was in the middle when the walls were closing in and it was tight. I didn't know what to do. I could barely even breathe. But, Lord, I called on you once before, and all of a sudden there was room. Hallelujah. Well, he said, Lord, here I am again, and I need you to hear my prayer. Hallelujah. I love the Old Testament. There's a lot of practical stories of men and women of faith. And really, Pastor Jerry talked about some this morning when he went through Hebrews chapter 11. And I love reading about the struggles of those men. And a fairly large portion of the Old Testament, it deals with the life of David. And there was many examples. If you got some time, let me just hit some bullet points here real quick about some distress that David went through. Is that okay? I mean, you think about a man who was anointed to be king, but he was driven from his home. I mean, a man destined for the throne. Uh, There was distress all through his life. Saw his own father-in-law, the king who he served, tried to kill him. I don't know about you, but if my father-in-law tried to kill me, I would be distressed. He's got a lot of guns. He's got lasers on those guns. He's He's a good shot. Man, I'd be scared to death, right? That's where David was. David, David was under distress. His, his trusted advisors turned on him. I mean, even his own son tried to usurp the throne that David had sat on. And, and David was in distress because of his own failures, things that he did, some consequences of his own actions. Uh, really, one of the, the, the ones that really sticks out is when he went back to Ziklag. And you remember that? When he found his city was burned, his family was taken captive, and, and the men who were, who were standing beside him, all of a sudden, they They wanted to stone him and take his life. That's distress. He was anointed but falsely accused, destined to be king, but but for some reason, for a few years, he was only the champion of the outcast. David was a man familiar with distress, and in Psalm 4, he's right there again. He's right there again. How many of you ever been distressed? I don't like tight places, really. I, I'm not too claustrophobic. My wife, she's, uh, she's very claustrophobic, so sometimes I'll just reach over and put my hand over her mouth and her nose at the same time. She starts getting real sweaty and starts trying to fight her way through. Some other guys do that too, don't you? Yeah. But I remember a couple times in my life when, when uh, I, you know, anybody ever played chicken in a pool before? You know, somebody gets up on your, on your shoulders and you're kind of down in the water and then they're trying to fight another guy and if you get knocked over, you know, you, your team loses. Well, my, the guy who was on my shoulders got knocked over, but, man, he, he wouldn't loosen his grip on me and I was underwater and I was going, getting scared. It was a tight place, and, it, and I fought my way through that. Another time we were playing football and I was on the, the bottom of the pileup, and I don't like being on the bottom. And I just tried to fight my way through that as fast as I could because I wanted freedom. I didn't like being in a tight place. 
There are some things in our lives, listen, that we cannot control that, get, that tighten around us. You know, it may be finances. It may be emotions. I mean, you know, before last year, I went through some things last year, last September, where, where I passed out. The doctors didn't know what happened to me. I don't know what happened to me still. But following that event, I, 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 I was cast into a deep depression. I'm not a depressed person. I never dealt with that before. But, man, everything just started closing in around me. It was something I couldn't control. I'd wake up in the morning dreading the day, all that stuff. And, and really, you, you may, you've been there, emotional distress, financial distress, problems in the, the home, physical problems, all kinds of things can cause distress. And, and really, you look for the way out, the easiest way possible, but, but you can't find it. Well, I'll tell you tonight, there's going to be an answer coming your way, and his name is Jesus. Hi. Hallelujah. You know, I know December 31st and January 1st, they're just days, uh, but God wants you to know uh, there is freedom available for you. Uh, amen. And you can look at this year ahead, uh, and God wants somebody to know this is your year. Amen. This is the year that all those tight things, uh, you begin to see God move. Hallelujah. He may not wipe it all away at once, uh, but we serve a God, amen, who was who came uh, to throw open the prison doors, uh, to set the captive at liberty. Amen. And he can do it for you today. A few years ago, my wife felt this on her heart. She felt like God uh, told her, this is your year. Uh, this is your year. And you know what? Uh, amen. Through that year, the devil fought, uh, but God was fighting harder than the devil. Amen. Uh, we were at youth camp, uh, and the, the Lord began to move around that service uh, like he always seems to do at youth camp. Um, but my wife, she was having uh, some problems. She's had seizures in the past, and, and she felt like during that service that the, the enemy was just making her afraid that all that stuff was going to happen again. She came up to me. The people were praying everywhere. And she said, I feel a seizure coming on. I need you to pray. And I, and I went and grabbed the evangelist, Brother Anthony Lester. I said, hey, can we pray for my wife? He looked at me and said, I feel an intense fear over her. I want us to pray right now. Well, he began to pray over her. Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost began to breathe into her. And he slayed her out in the spirit. Amen. And you know what? God delivered her from that intense fear, and she never went back. Why? Because God keeps his promises, and he's able to get us out of tight places in distress. David was there in distress, and he needed God to come by again, and so he prayed. And so I want us to look at a few points tonight, and then we're going to spend some time around the altar. Maybe those of you going through some things, you can just call on God, amen, tonight, and know he's going to come by. But first thing here, David prayed, and that prayer, it came from an experience knowing that God had moved before. You ever just come to the Lord and say, God, I'm going through it again. I need your deliverance like you did the last time. I know you can do it. Listen, let me paraphrase what David said. He's basically saying, before, Lord, in my distress, I called to you. And, Lord, you brought me out to a large place. You brought me to a place where I had room to dance, where I had room to worship, where I had room to sing. Amen. You brought me out of that where I had room just to testify and to, and to find love and peace. Amen. And joy. So, God. 
God, will you hear my prayer again? Listen, you've experienced, oh, come on, somebody. You've experienced his power before, and just because you're in a tight place tonight, it doesn't change anything about God. Listen, tight places, tight places, trials, distresses, and struggles, they do not negate what God has been doing in the past, and he's still worthy, and he is still God. Hallelujah. Tight spaces, listen, uh, they do not mean that God has forgotten us. Uh, tight spaces, distresses, uh, they don't change the truths uh, that we have learned in the past. Uh, oh, I know when it gets tight uh, and things get tough, the devil likes to lie. Uh, he likes to deceive. He likes to fight you uh, with doubt and despair. Uh, oh, but David, he he reminded himself like he did at Ziklag. Uh, you remember, he said he encouraged himself uh, in the Lord. What did he do? He reminded himself of who he was in God. He reminded himself what that oil felt like when Samuel poured it over his head and it ran down his face. He reminded himself oh, what it felt like to cast that sling and that stone at the giant. And he said, Lord, I'm in a tight place, but I know you can heal me. I know you can deliver me. And so I'm praying out of experience that it works. Hallelujah. Tight spaces don't mean that God has forgotten you. Listen, I know, I know I've been there in my own life. When you look around, you want to say, God, I'm trying my best. And I'm still dealing with this test. I'm, I'm fighting. I'm doing everything I can. Where are you? Well, listen, in my experience, I've always found this to be true. When I can't feel him working, he's still working. Hallelujah. And when I can't see him, he sees me. Praise the Lord. I love what Job said. And you know it. It's familiar. I'm just reminding you some things you already know. But Job said he knows the way that I take. I'll take. I'll take a peace in that, knowing that even though he's not, I can't see him here, 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 and there. I know he's there looking at me, and he's gonna come by, man, on the right time. His prayer was out of experience. I want you to notice David's patience. Uh, this is a big thing. Hallelujah. When you're going through a distressing situation, is you've got to learn how to wait on the Lord. David could have gotten a hurry. He could have taken matters into his own hands. Uh, but I, I want you to notice a few things that he said. Uh, he, he said, stand in awe and sin not. What is he trying to say? He's trying to say, listen, you need to just step back for a minute and look at God again. You need to quit looking at the problem and just look up. Hallelujah. You need to look up. I, I remember when we were going through Bible school, if you've ever gone in Bible school as a married person, you know finances get a little tight, right? And we were struggling in some things, and I, and I just was trying to figure some things out. And, and there was an opportunity to work somewhere in Joplin, and I was just like, you know, I'm going to just do it. I know I'll have to quit school and all this stuff, and, and, but it's, it's, got, it's the right thing. It's going to ease some pressure and some tension in our lives. And I remember my wife. It's good to have a good wife, isn't it? And she came up to me, and she, she said, listen, you cannot take this job because it's going to mess everything up that we've felt like God wants us to do. And let's just wait on the Lord. 
Amen. It wasn't but a few days later, and the Lord began to open up doors to work and, and ways that I could still finish what God had called us to do there in Bible school. Listen, if we, if we get in a hurry instead of just reflecting on who God is. I, I love what the Hebrew boys said when, when, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar threatened to throw them in the fire. They said, listen, King, uh, we already know our answer. We serve the God of the fire. Amen. He's going to be with us no matter what you do. And if he decides to, to make us die in that flame, that's all right with us. But we know who we serve, and we're going to stand up for him. I found it interesting when, that, when they brought those Hebrew boys out of the furnace, and there wasn't a smell of fire on them. They, didn't, they weren't even burned or anything. I was reading in a commentary, and, and it said that the reason why it was important for God to do that was because the, the, the Babylonians worshipped a, a false god that they said was the god of fire and to them that God of fire was the most powerful God and he said that if those Hebrew boys would have come out smelling like fire Nebuchadnezzar would have said sure your God kept you alive but he didn't keep the smell of the fire off you so there's still a more powerful God than your God but they didn't even smell like smoke amen then a hair was singed on their body and that Nebuchadnezzar said there is no God like your God amen you don't need to get in a hurry and try to figure it out. I know you need to act. Trust me, I understand that. But before you do, you need to just step back and remember who God has been in your life and stand in awe. Amen. Commune with your own heart on your bed. Sometimes one of the best things you can do is just sleep on it. Amen. Anybody take a nap today? He's just got to sleep on it. I like to do Sudokus. That's that's why they asked me to be a principal because I'm a geek and uh, uh, not really. Um, but I like to do Sudoku puzzles and right before I go to bed, a lot of times I'll do it. And and so I'll be. I was doing one the other night and I just couldn't see uh, a way to solve it, so I just put it away. I went to sleep and and when I got up the next morning, I, I picked that puzzle up on my phone and I started looking. I was like, man, how did I miss uh, this easy uh, this easy solution to this problem? I, I it was so simple. Well, I just needed to sleep on it. Amen. And David was saying, you just take some time. Amen. Get some rest. Uh, this the teaching part of this sermon, all right? Uh, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do, I heard about a preacher, he said if, it, if somebody came up and asked him to preach a meeting uh, right on the spur of the moment, he said the best thing for him to do was to go in a corner and sleep for about 10 minutes, uh, and then he'd wake up ready to preach. I, that would not work for me, all right? Uh, I'd be looking at Brother Jared's notes trying to find a sermon to preach if that was happening, but but no, he, 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 was, he figured it out. One of the best things for him to do was sleep on it. Well, we need to uh, just let that happen in our own lives. Don't get in a hurry. Don't rush. Just take some time uh, and let the Lord speak to you. It may be in a dream like he did to Brother Travis. I, I mean, God's got ways, amen, uh, of making ways in your life. And then the other thing David said, uh, he said, be still. Praise the Lord. Uh, that word be still, it means to stop, uh, to quiet yourself. Uh, it even means to perish. Uh, listen, David wasn't saying you just need to die and God can move. That's not what he's saying. Uh, but what he's saying is you need to Get out of God's way. Hallelujah. Just quiet yourself. Just stop trying to figure it out on your own and let 
God begin to move in the way he wants to move. Listen, it happens so so often that we try to get ahead of God and get out in front of God, but all if you'll wait for the right door to open and the right opportunity to come, you're going to understand and see that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. David's patience led to the third thing, his perseverance. In verse 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness uh, and put your trust in the Lord. I want you to notice uh, what David continued to do. Uh, even in the distress, uh, he, he, he's, he continued to do uh, what he knew was right. Listen, when I was working under Brother Johnson in, in Sherman, Texas, there, he always said, you know, he was, a, he was in the Navy, and he would say, uh, the, the, you were always supposed to do the orders that you were given last. He says, so if some ranking officer told you to go do something, and while you're on your way to do that, another one told you to do something else, you obeyed the last order that you received. Hallelujah. You do what you know is right. It's always right to bring praise to the Lord. It's always right to live by the word. It's always right to go to the house of God. It's always right to pray, even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't feel God. It's always right to get in his word. Amen. It's always right. Another thing David did, he sacrificed and he put his trust in the Lord. You've got to put your trust in God, that that persevering faithfulness. Amen. Listen, I want to remind you of a few things about the trial. I want you to... if you got a pen and paper, take this down. Listen, in the middle of your test, God does not tempt you to fall. I want you to remember that. The thing you're going through is not a temptation from God trying to get you to mess up and make mistakes so he can kind of take you off the roll. No, he's trying to let you know who you are. He's putting you through the fire to bring something out of you that you've never been able to have before. Praise God. Listen, not only does God, he doesn't tempt us in our trial, but God doesn't get nervous in our trial. Aren't you thankful that God, he doesn't get nervous? Another thing, God doesn't leave you in your trial. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, we were talking, Brother brother Jared was talking about the promises of God today, uh, and it just hit me while he was talking about it, uh, that when Jesus made that promise to the disciples, and he said, uh, I'll never leave you nor forsake you there, uh, right before he went up and ascended into heaven. Uh, I wonder if those disciples thought about the night uh, on the stormy sea when Jesus uh, came walking on the water, and when he when they heard that promise, I'll never leave you, they were, they were reminded that That's true. He proved that a long time ago on the Sea of Galilee. And so we know, we know, we know that he's not going to leave us where we are. Amen. Another thing in the test, you need to remember God is preparing you for something greater. He's preparing you uh, for something greater. I know uh, I wouldn't have put you through that test myself. Uh, I wouldn't have gone through some of the things I've been through uh, as uh, my wife and I uh, if we could choose it different. Uh, But I look back and I see why God allowed us to go through those things uh, on the other side. Uh, And all I can say is I know him better uh, now than I would have before. Uh, And I'm able to minister better uh, than I could have before. Why? Because in the first of the fire, amen, he's preparing us for something greater, hallelujah, 
Isaiah 48.10, Behold, I have refined you, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. I don't like to get burnt. I don't know anybody who does. Even the other day, we went to Brother Bob's house, and they have a wood-burning stove there. I think that's what it was. Well, when I was about seven or eight, I fell on one of those and burnt myself up real bad, so they kind of make me a little nervous. But I know now to stay away from them, right? Oh, but it, I, I don't want you to have to go into the furnace of affliction. But God allows it to happen. Hallelujah. He did that to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, uh, they came out of that fire having been closer to, the, to God than they'd ever been before. Amen. The, the Son of God was with them in the fire. How is that even possible in the Old Testament? Because God knows no limits. Hallelujah. And there in the furnace, I've experienced it in my own walk with God. In the tightest of places, His presence can be the sweetest. Amen. Oh, and you get to know Him better. Hallelujah. Remember, His presence is with you. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, in the distress you're in, don't blame God. Don't blame God. Don't doubt God. Hallelujah. Don't quit God. If you're frustrated tonight with where you're at, be patient. I know I've been there. I've done that. Hallelujah. I know what it's like to be frustrated with the position or with the situation. But if you just give God a little more time and let him just breathe another promise and let the Holy Ghost come back in, amen, and let him just give you that touch, all like he did Elijah, that second touch. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to find uh, that he's going to bring you into a large place, uh, a place where you can just uh, worship him uh, and minister for him uh, and shout amen uh, and glorify him. Oh, I believe God wants to do that uh, for some of you this year, uh, maybe even tonight. Uh, you say, my marriage is on the rocks. Uh, my family's in shambles. Uh, my home life is horrible. My job is messed up. Uh, everything around me seems to be falling apart. Uh, well, that's a perfect place for God just to come in and put it all back together again and bring you to a place where the, oh, praise the Lord, amen. Enlarging the coast, hallelujah. Wasn't that the vision this morning? Oh, praise God. Lord, bring us to a large place. Hallelujah. He's been faithful every time you've called on him. It's not going to be any different this time. Hallelujah. I love, I love, I love what, what Jeremiah said in Lamentations. He said, I remember my affliction. I remember my misery. I remember the wormwood and the gall. Uh, my soul hath them still in remembrance. My soul is humbled or cast down within me. He, he remembered those things. Uh, but then he said, but this I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope. I will hope. I will hope in him. Oh, praise God. I want you to know tonight, we're getting ready to pray. Music, you can go ahead and come. Amen. I want you to know tonight that God, God is going to work in you and through you and in your situation. You just got to hold on to what you know is right. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you will.
The final thing I want you to notice is David's perspective, and that's something that we need tonight. David said, Lord, there's many that say, who will show us any good? He's trying to say there's a perspective out there that said there's no happiness anywhere. Where can we find deliverance? Where can we find a a place where, where we feel better about ourselves, our situation? Where? And he's saying, God, that's what a lot of people are saying, and they're not finding it. And the temptation when you're in distress is to go somewhere else. Listen to me. Listen, I've been there. And you feel like the best thing for you to do would just be to run away. No, that's not it. David said, I've looked around. And he said, Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. In other words, what David was saying, he was saying, Lord, you're enough. God, this is a tight place. And if I listen to the whispers going on around me, they're trying to tell me I can go here to find happiness and there to find peace and there to find rest. But Lord, I know from experience you're enough. He's enough. Hallelujah. Listen, I hate cancer. But what I've learned with family that's gone through that is that he is enough. I hate, I hate finding out uh, bad news and, and being given a bad diagnosis and, and all of that stuff. But what I've learned is that He is enough. He is enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you need to let Him change your perspective where you're at. Listen. Oh, praise the Lord. Another guy, young ladies, another guy is not going to make you happy until Jesus makes you happy. Young men, you're not going to find fulfillment anywhere in this life until you find it in Jesus. You can make the most money you've ever made, have the most friends you've ever had, and be as popular as anybody in the world and still be in a place where everything is closing in Oh, but if you can just learn that perspective that David had learned. Yes, it was a painful experience, but he learned, God, you are enough. God, you are enough in the cave when Saul tried to take my life. God, you are enough in Ziklag when the men spoke a stone in me. God, you are enough when I was sorrowful about my own situation, by my own decision, I put myself there. God, you were enough when Absalom turned his back on me. And God, I know you're going to be enough, hallelujah, in the situation that I'm in. Oh, and then he knew. There's a few more instances in the book of Psalms where David said, I was in distress, but you brought me to a large place. God wants to bring you out of that tight place, amen. God wants to bring you out of that. You just got to hold on to his hand. And trust Him. Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads right now if you will. Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for your encouragement. I thank you, God, that in the tight places, oh, you can make room for us. Hallelujah. I pray tonight you would do that from the front to the back on every single one of these people in here today. God, these are your people calling out to you, and they need you. you. They may not be audible with their voices, but you know the cry of their heart. And I pray, Lord, make some room for them tonight. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name.
I wonder who would come first and just say, I want to find that large place, that room. I need to find that, that place where I can worship. It's been tied around me too much, and I just need, uh, I need God's refreshing presence. Come on. Uh, amen. There's a few coming right now. Uh, everybody that will, let's just come and begin to call out on the name of the Lord. Uh, all right.